Call America is a history podcast about what makes America great. I'm Carl Joseph Black, a Brooklyn native born into the cult. And I'm Lisa Charlotte, an Australian migrant who totally bought into it from afar. Each episode, we unpack the American way of life from an outsider's perspective, from the Pledge of Allegiance to American exceptionalism and more. We'll dive into the history and share our personal experiences, along with discussion of some actual cults along the way. Listen to Cult America on a Three Springs Media Network, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of That Brooklyn Film Show. This week, we are going to deep dive into the Final Destination franchise. Along the way, we will discuss what makes the films unique and how a franchise can become, in a way, a parody of itself. When a franchise is no longer grounded, how do you go about bringing it back to Earth? So Jabari, tell me about some franchises that you love, and do you think that as they've gone on, they've been able to kind of stay the same, or do you think that like for a lot of franchises, they kind of have to keep upping the ante of what's the big thing, the big idea, the big explosion for each new movie? I think that a successful franchise is able to continue on with a theme that makes it, it makes it what it is. So I think about the Mad Max franchise, mm-hmm. which is a franchise that doesn't always up the ante, but because it has a theme that it sticks to about like this one man always chasing something, loneliness, that require upping the ante every time is what causes a problem because you can't always top what the last one did. Like, I'm going to talk about anime. You know how in anime sometimes you have the villain, then you have a bigger villain, then you have yeah, a bigger, bigger villain. villain yeah. And then it's like, all right, how strong? Because you started off like fighting street thugs, and by the end you're fighting like people who could destroy a planet. It creates mm-hmm. a disconnect between what, what, what the themes of the original were and what the end themes are. So I think a franchise like, say, Fast and the Furious, start off about street racing, and then by the end they're taking rocket ships to space. It's like it kind of loses its original themes. Yeah. About like, you know, I mean, I, I don't want to get into well, too much of the themes of Final Fast and the Furious. The theme is the family. Movie. Yeah, the theme <laughs> of family and being together and stuff like that. Like it loses that because it's just about upping the ante. So I think a successful franchise has something other than upping the ante. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's like when you look at movies based off of a source material. So you have like Harry Potter and you have like Lord of the Rings and you have even like The Hobbit, although I didn't love The Hobbit, those are kind of grounded in a source material. So it's harder for them to say each time we have to go bigger and bigger and bigger because it's like, no, you have to stick to what the book said or what the comic said or what, you know, whatever said versus something like Fast and the Furious or Mission Impossible. It's kind of like the last mission was supposed to be the craziest mission ever, but then you have a new movie coming yeah, out. So now it's, this has to be the craziest crazier mission. mission. So it's like, you're starting off with like, okay, let me stop a virus. I think that was like the first Mission Impossible. And then it's like, okay, let me start stop a nuclear bomb that's going to blow up the world. Or yeah. again, with Fast and the Furious, you have guys literally racing cars in LA and now they're going to the moon in a car. And it's like, what? You have a magnet that's pulling cars across, yeah. you know, stores and stuff. And it's kind of like, at what point... Will they have to step back? Because it seems like, I think it also depends on the number of movies you have in your franchise. I think the further on you go with the number of movies, the more you tend to have that happen where you have to keep going further and further and further. And then it's kind of like, at what point do you reel back and say, okay, we have to be grounded? Because something like the, the James Bond franchise, 
where you have so many James Bond movies because it's been like a different person could be James Bond in each movie. So with each new James Bond, it kind of went up and up and up mm-hmm. in terms of what the, again, the mission was. And then you get to Daniel Craig and they kind of ground a little bit. But now that Daniel Craig has been James Bond for a long time, now it's going further and further and further again. So it's kind of like, is it possible to stay grounded when you build your film around a specific theme almost? And I think those movies are a little bit different because you do have like recurring cast of characters. Like you might have in in Fast and Furious, you might have a new family member or whatever, but it's still, you know, Vin Diesel's a star and... Michelle Rodriguez is there and you have Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible and whoever's playing James Bond at that moment in time is always about James Bond versus say something like Final Destination or the Purge movies where it's more of a premise that you have to build off of. But I think even with something like the Purge movies, so far they've managed to kind of like up the ante but still make you care about the characters in all of the movies. And I think that's kind of what you start to lose in Final Destination as you go on, because again, I'm and I'm going to compare it to another other franchises like Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, and Halloween, where you have the killers of those movies. So you have Jason, Freddy, and Michael Myers become like the mainstay. I feel like in Final Destination, that's death. You know what I mean? So death is like their Freddy, and death is like their Jason. So in the further you get into those movies, you know, the first Friday or Nightmare on Elm Street, for example, I've never seen the original Friday the 13th, but the first Nightmare on Elm Street. You have a very clear cast of characters that you're focusing on. You have character development and stuff. For them, in Halloween, the same thing. You have character development. You know who Jamie Lee Curtis's character is. And then the further you get, you know, either those characters leave. And then it just becomes becomes about, like, how silly can Freddy be? How can he kill these people? How What can Michael Myers do? And you care less about the characters. And I think that's where you start to lose people and the movie starts to not be as well received. Or just not as good because it's like yeah, you know, this is what made the movie popular, but you still need to care about the people in the movie for the movie to resonate. You know what I mean? Well, it's because I think at that point it goes from a film and like an artistic sense to a product. Yeah. Where you're selling the product of the murder. Mm -hmm. When people go to see a Jason movie now, they're going to see Jason kill people in different ways. Versus when the original Friday the 13th came out, it was more so about, about the story. The, yeah, the stories and the fears that people had at the time. So they were going to see more about the themes of what it represented and the teenagers and stuff party. Because, you know, it was a lot of fear mongering back then. Mm-hmm. So they would utilize the teenagers to fear monger certain ideas of like, oh, sex before marriage is bad. You'll get murdered by Jason. But it was just a anecdote for something else. Mm-hmm. But now people just kind of go see those movies because Jason is an established murderer about this is how he's going to kill certain people. And it's similar to Fast and Furious is that when first Fast and Furious came out, it was a good action film, but now it's kind of known for being ridiculous and over the top. So they sell the product as, oh, look at the most ridiculous things that we could do. Mm -hmm. And I think that since film is a visual medium, you were talking about the books and things with source materials, you could, in a book, kind of stay subtle for a lot longer than you can in a film because people don't often go see a film if it feels like the last one was bigger than the next one. It's like, oh, this was a good film, but it was dialed back from the first film. It didn't do anything better in the elements. I think I, th- I agree with you that people, again, it's kind of like what comes first in Chicken or the Egg almost. It's kind of like yeah. the, if, does, if the audience wants more, then you have to give them more. But then the audience complains because then it's too much. You know what I mean? And then you have to dial it back. And like you have to dial like it back. Like Cloverfield, 
people's favorite one was the one where they dialed it back and it was just all inside the house. You know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, the, the 10 Cloverfield Lane because yeah. they, and then the one after that, they were like in space and everything and that wasn't as effective as the yeah. one where it's literally like, okay, you know these aliens exist, but this is literally a movie about like a kidnapping yeah. and this is, it's confined it's and confined it works so much better than um, when you're in space and you're trying to have like how did the aliens even get here and all of that? It didn't work the same. Yeah, because I think about let's go to Game of Thrones real quick. Mm-hmm. How once that got off the source material, the source material, it kind of just became about up in the ante. Yeah, like the coolest thing that you could show as opposed to the most effective storytelling thing. I agree. Because a book is about storytelling. Mm-hmm. You don't have to like impress people visually because it's all in paper, and then you kind of create the images in your head. With a film, you create the images, so you kind of have to up the ante of specific things. So it's like in Game of Thrones, in one scene you might have, like in season one, you might have something more excited than in season three, but because it's about the story, that's not really what the um, fans are coming to watch. Mm -hmm. But then when the book ends, and since the filmmakers and the writers were all trained in the filmmaking medium, they kind of forget that. Because even like when I was going to school, they would tell you, oh, you have to up the ante, you have to up the ante, you have to keep people interested. So that's kind of what you see when a franchise doesn't have the source material, is that it's always about upping the the ante. And I think a lot of franchises that exist that exist now that are successful all come down to up in the ante. Like, I'm trying to think of some off the top of my head, but we already mentioned a lot of them, like Fast and the Furious, Mission Impossible. That's another one that keeps up in the ante. But I think that one does it a little bit better because it doesn't get as ridiculous. But mm-hmm. the last one, didn't he, like, survive a nuclear bomb That's or what I'm saying. It was like, So, yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe it is more ridiculous than I remember. But it was just a better film. I think up in the ante can work as an element, but it must be done in a way that... I think it needs to be in the theme of the story from the start. It can't be something that's done to keep the franchise going and going and going to make more and more money over time. Yeah, and I think a successful franchise that, so far, you know, we only have four of them right now, or a fourth one's about to come out, I believe, is the Purge movies. Because to me, again, the first Purge movie was about a family in their home on the Purge night, and you have people that break in, right? So it's very grounded or whatever. But you introduce this concept of a Purge, where it's like, for one night, you can do whatever you want for 24 hours. I don't know if people went straight to murder, but you could. that's essentially what happened. In the second movie, they then take it out of this one family and bring it outside. And I think in the way that's up in the ante, but then you also add other elements of like poverty and race and all these other things that make it more interesting. And then you go to like, okay, what, is the, what are the politicians doing in this field when this purge is happening? Or what is what happened on the very first purge night? How did that even come about? And I think that's a way of like you up in the ante because you the violence does get like bigger in each movie or whatever, but you're also kind of keeping it interesting by focusing on new characters and new themes and new ideas for each movie. And it's not based off of like a source material. So I've never seen any of the purges, but based on what you're describing, I think it works better for the purge because it's the idea of the purge is based around a setting. Yeah. Versus Fast and the Furious or the Friday the 13th films and stuff like that, which is based around a theme, like the idea of the characters and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But the, the world is pretty normal. It's a normal world. But Just the for first, that one since night, it's a yeah. setting, you could go to so many different stories that it doesn't have to always be the same characters, but you still get the theme of what they're talking about. And I think that's kind of similar. I think Mad Max is a yeah, better franchise, Mad but similar to one, Mad yeah. Max. And then like the Purge movies aren't you know, like the world's greatest movies, but I think it does that well for a franchise um, in a way where it's enjoyable. Like, I think the first movie to me is my least favorite, but it's not about The Purge. So we can move on to um, talking, I guess, a little bit more about Final Destination. And 
Final Destination is similar in a way because I feel like Final Destination doesn't have to focus on one set. Like the same characters every movie is actually kind of impossible for them to focus on every characters in the same other movies because it's about, you know, that concept of cheating death. And if you cheat death, will death come back to, to get you? And each movie is about a different cast of characters. And I think it varies on success depending on what they want you to focus on. So I think the movies that want you to focus on the characters work a little bit better than the movies that want you to focus solely on how do people die? Is it as brutal as I can make the deaths be? But I don't care about the characters at all. You know what I mean? Yeah, because at the end of the day, I think I remember we had a discussion about this about films that are premise films, mm-hmm. and Final Destinations are like the sole example of premise films, where the premise are is the main thing that connects the films, mm-hmm. because like thematically and character wise and stuff, these films are all up and down the place because they change from film to film. But the thing that draws people in and that people most remember is the premise of the deaths and I think that's what makes these films unique and of course they're not the best films critically but people often remember the final destination because of that strong premise that they have yeah I 100% agree so with that let's get into each movie the synopsis of the movie is Alex Browning is among a group of high schoolers readying themselves for a trip to Europe when he suddenly has a premonition that their plane will crash he screams to warn the others, but instead is thrown off of the plane. The Rotten Tomatoes score has a 35% critical score and a 68% user score. For Metacritic, you have a 36% critical score and an 8.7 user score. So you can see that there's a very big discrepancy between <laughs> the audience and the critics for this movie. And I can kind of see that. I feel like this movie is very much like a movie that... You know, it's not like groundbreaking or anything like that, but it's very enjoyable and it gives you enough to enjoy in terms of like caring about the characters and the general premise and kind of building up that suspense. Before I dive into Final Destination, James Wong, we need to do a James Wong episode because this man's Metacritic is insane. Like he did Dragon Ball Evolution, which has a 15% Metacritic. He did Black Christmas which has a 16% Metacritic. He did The One, which has a 14% Metacritic. He did Final Destination, which has, like you said, the 35% Metacritic. And then he did Final Destination 3. So this man keeps getting harder somehow. But that being said, yeah, I, I mean, I think when you know what you're getting into, these films could be enjoyed. And Final Destination 1, I think, was an enjoyable film. Like, it wasn't a film that I would be like, oh my God, you have to see Final Destination. It's such a great work of the film's genre like it's you know what you're getting into it's just kind of like a cheesy b movie kind of vibe to it and i think that while watching it it kind of reminded me of that era in filmmaking where there was a little bit more of those mm-hmm. like mediocre but enjoyable films for because sure now that i think about them they're like those kind of films you don't really see them a lot like you still get bad movies of course but you don't really get bad movies that are allowed to continue on for that long Mm-hmm. And like the only first ones that might come to my head are like the Annabelle films, where they're not like the best movies, but the they audience. continue to have a following and they continue to get movies made. But yeah, Final Destination, the first one, I enjoyed it as a movie. I think that it was the it was really strong and it's it kind of lets you know what the film was like going after. It wasn't really too big into the character development and stuff like that. But funny enough, it had probably the the strongest. Most of the yeah. character development in the movies. So 
like I said, you know what you're getting into. Like, it's not really a lot you could say about it on a deeper level, but I think that as a film, it still holds up today because it's just a fun movie to watch. I agree. I think nowadays, a movie like Final Destination will probably be relegated to like a streaming service, yeah. if that, maybe like sci-fi, sci-fi like S-Y-F-Y, not yeah, <laughs> sci-fi like sci-fi movies. Actually, interestingly enough, it was originally going to be like an X-Files episode and they took the pr premise of it and made it into a full franchise as opposed to just one singular X-Files episode. And that's what it feels like. It feels like a, a premise of a show like the X-Files or the Twilight Zone mm -hmm. turned into a full franchise. Because, you know, those are like shows where it's like, all right, we have a premise and we're going to make that one episode around this premise. Mm -hmm. But because they were like, oh, this is a really good premise. Let's make this into something, a movie. Then the movie did well. They're like, oh, let's do another one. And they kept doing that until like it stopped doing well. Mm -hmm. so I could definitely get that vibe from it because like we said about premise films, they kind of have to stick to that premise film to film. And then you have, like you said, the X-Files is a premise TV show, so it definitely has that vibe to it. Yeah. I will say, though, I think one thing that's funny, and we could get into this in the next movie, is how often they change the rules of this universe. Like, in the first movie, it's kind of like the first person to die on the plane what would have been the person to die first outside of the plane or however. So it's kind of like death is stalking them, which is like, like what does death pause for everyone else in the world though? Is it just kind of death is like, I'm focused on these nine guys and until they're gone, y'all good. The premise doesn't have to make sense. That's the whole point. It's kind of like a, a nonsensical idea that if you escape death through a premonition, then you have to go on and die. One thing I will say about this movie is that while some of the deaths were brutal, it didn't feel as brutal as like, or not as brutal, as graphic as it does in the later movies. Like it feels like in this movie, it's kind of like, okay, let's have creative deaths, but we don't need to show you heads exploding, heads exploding, spine snapping out, yeah. you know, all of these things. So it's kind of like, yeah, we know that we have to kill these people in creative ways to make it like, oh, death is really after them. But it, it didn't feel like that was the only thing in the movie. One weakness I will say that I think they it was kind of good they pulled back on was the idea of you can see when death would like make the water go and mm -hmm. then the water would go back or they would like see like a little floating thing in their death mirror or something. That was more. I didn't of a, have like a part where like you saw like a little shimmer of death in the background. Yeah, or yeah, like yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think the idea of in the later movies of death just kind of being like a, a sense of feeling like yeah. the hairs on the back of your neck standing up works better than like death being delivered so kind of like a series of like accidents happening that kind of yeah. seem like it could plausibly happen but you know that death is the one causing it as opposed to like death turned the water on and made yeah. the water go and then <laughs> pull the water back it's like and that's silly yeah because he made it go then he pulled, he it, pulled back it back yeah yeah like, uh, maybe maybe not yeah no, i definitely think that the like the premise of the movies stay the same but like you talked about up in the ante where the first one, people just kind of wanted to see a movie that was interesting, like, oh, this has a cool premise. By the second mm -hmm. one, you already had an established franchise. So it's like, all right, we know what people are here to see. Yeah. So that's when they start doing the more violent deaths. And I think it gets more and more violent. But with that, we can actually move on to the second one. So Final Destination 2 was directed by David R. Ellis. And the synopsis is, Kimberly has a premonition of an accident killing multiple people, including her and her friends. She blocks the cars behind her on the ramp, and as the police trooper arrives, the accident happens. Death is stalking this group of survivors. Ooh. So, for Final Destination 2, it actually had a better critical score, was 
but it had a worse user score or audience score, and it was 58%. In terms of Metacritic, it had a 38% Metacritic score and then a 4.1 user score. So the first movie was much more received. I don't know, but maybe it's because of how old we were when this movie came out. We were still really young, though. Yeah. But I feel like, to me, this is the one that I remember more so, because I always think about the, the truck in the logs on the truck. Yeah, and I think that was like the most iconic, iconic part, part of mm-hmm. the movies, yeah. I realize with these synopsis it could kind of be insert has a premonition of an accident killing people. This happens and they had to get out. Now death stalks them. Like all the... All the premonitions are all the same all thing. the same. Uh-huh. Yeah, like these movies all have the, the same start, literally the same start to all the films about like the person sees the accident then they wake up like, whoa, I got to get off of here. Mm-hmm. And then they take a few survivors off and those are people stalked by death. Like, you could really... Like, these scripts could be so interchangeable from movie from to movie, movie because of the premise. And like you said, the, yeah, the deaths get more violent over time, but to the core, the premises are the same. all super similar. Yeah. But I would say that this one... I don't know which one I like more. One or two. I mean, I, th- I think I like two more. I definitely think I like two more because I think it had a stronger cast of characters. Mm-hmm. And I cared about the character. Like, when I think back, I... Pretty much only remember the characters of two the most. Yeah. Like as far as not them dying, like three I remember a lot of the deaths, but two, two I remember, remember the, the actual characters there and some of their um motivations and stuff like that and why did some of them not believe and why did some of them believe and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I think two had the strongest cast of characters, not the strongest deaths per se, but as a film, it's probably the best to me overall. Yeah, I agree. I think two, to me, has the strongest cast of characters. In the first one, they make you care or kind of go the most into the guy who's like the jerk, you know, jock guy from the high school. And then Claire and Alex, those are really the only three of the survivors that you really get to know. And then you have in the second one, you get to know pretty much all of them and all of their motivations and why they're scared. Um, the only one you don't really get to know is the guy who won the lottery. Cause yeah, because he, he was the first death. He was the, he was the first one to go. I think it was very funny, though, in the, the first car crash when the car flipped over and they had very clearly had, like, dummies oh, yeah. in the car yeah, when the car movie, flipped over. have some real shaky <laughs> uh, special, special effects. effects. Yeah, special um, effects and CGI and stuff like yeah. that. Some of the CGI was just... It was, it was wild. I mean, it makes sense that they come out in 2003, but I'm like... You would think that it would at least, they would cover that up. It was straight up like a test crash dummy in those scenes. But yeah, I think like they kind of, although you need to get into the character's backstory. You did a little bit because they did this thing where it was supposed to be, this is the one that's the most connected to the first movie. It's actual sequel. It has, yeah, it's like an actual sequel to the first movie. Because you have the recurring character of Claire from the first movie and she's actively involved in helping them out. And all of these people are said to have survived due to the fact that the people from Flight 180 survived. So it's kind yeah. of like a connection there. One thing I think here, and we can get into in the other movies as well, is the fact that they have very clear premonitions also of how the other people are going to die. So it changed from movie to movie, the kind of premonitions they have. So in this one, she would either physically actually see it or she would get like a sign. So it would be like birds flapping in windows. And then you got like a 30-year-old running under a thing to... Stop some pigeon. He wasn't thirty, but he was too old to do what he did to kick away some pigeons. No, that that was three, no? That was two. Oh, that was two. You remember he was yeah. at the dentist and all those yeah. like it was like a series of That's unfortunate the, events. The glass fell on him. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. He was he was too old to do that. And then you have like the black guy who you could clearly tell was like very scared by this, but didn't want to 
admit that he was scared until he saw the woman die hooks. Yeah, with the hooks. hooks. Mm-hmm. And that was his fault. The man with the hooks was like a creep. So yeah, that guy was weird. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I definitely think like this is the only one where I kind of cared about someone's death, which was, which was the woman from the first one. Mm-hmm. When that the thing blew up and she died, I was like, oh. I am a little bit affected by this. Yeah. But that was like the only time where I feel like I felt that. So I think because of the connection between one and two, you kind, you kind of, of cared about the character a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then it also makes you wonder, because you saw what the length she was going to to survive. So it's like, what is yeah. what even is life if you have to yeah, lock yourself in a padded room yeah. in order to avoid death? That was like only thing, like her only goal in life was to not die. Yeah. And that required her staying inside his room. 24-7, and then the woman said, you're a punk for not wanting to leave. And it's like, okay, but everyone else is here is trying to survive too, so how are you going to judge me? But yeah, it's like they mentioned, everyone in the movie survived due to the fact that the other people survived, so it was kind of like a series of events that unfolded due to the last movie. And then in this one, I don't know, I feel like in the last one, they made it seem like some time passed before the people were okay again and went back to Paris. Although I feel like if I were them, I would have never gotten on a plane again. But, you know, they were like, okay, things are cool and everything. In this movie, it feels like she was able to get over her friend's death very quickly. Because, you know, she saw her friends die at the very beginning of the movie because the officer pulled her out of the way and her friends got hit by the oncoming car. And in the end of the movie, it was like three months later and she's like happy-go-lucky. And it's not like you're supposed to be grieving forever. But it feels like the further you get into the movies, the more and more it seems like the deaths of the people around them don't matter, even when these people are supposed to be like your very close friends yeah. or a person you're dating or however. It's like... Is Final Destination 2 the one where the kid was grilling at the end and it blew up? It blew up. And uh-huh. then mom was there, yeah. That was a good ending. I mean... Oh, yeah, the ending was like was a, a shocking... Yeah that, yeah. A, yeah, that was a good ending. That was a good ending. And then, so for the next one, which is Final Destination 3, this one, you go back to James Wong, and this one is six years after the students cheated death. Another teen has a premonition that she and her friends will be involved in an accident. When the vision proves true, the students and survivors deal with the repercussions of cheating the Grim Reaper. And this one has a 44% on Rotten Tomatoes based off the tomato meter and a 57% audience score. For the Metacritic score, it has a 41% for the critical score and a 6.1% for the user score. So this one was better received than to both critically and based off of the audience yeah. score. I think that this one is the one I remember the most because I think this is the one where they first started up in the antes and the deaths. Mm-hmm. And it, that's when it became like, okay, we know what people are here for. This is just the deaths. Yeah. Because I think for me, the most memorable death is the Sonas. Yeah, that's, that's the one, that, the one mm-hmm. that like sticks out the most to me. So I think at this point, they were trying to just be like, okay, this is a roller coaster. We know that you're here for this movie as an attraction. So let's just give people what, what they, they want. want. And go straight to the deaths. Because I think um, Final Destination 3, I think also production-wise, it was the best one. Mm-hmm. It had a lot of good, like, like, it was just better done than the other ones. But I cared less about the people in this movie as well. Because I think the films were so quick to try to get them to the, to the shocking deaths. deaths mm-hmm. That they didn't really develop the characters as much as they wanted to. Yeah, I think in this one... I cared about Wendy. I think she was the main character. And then her friend who was helping her out. But those were like really the only two that they wanted you to care about. You could tell. Like they were like, let's go with the... It was very archetypal characters. You know what I mean? So it's like we have the vapid high school girls who are 
going to invite her for a tan because they're just so nice. But they're supposed to be like, they were being nice, but they were trying to make them seem vapid or whatever. And then they go first. And then you have the creepy older guy who's still hanging around the high school, although he was supposed to graduate like two years ago. Yeah. And then when he goes, you're like, okay, I don't feel too bad because he was such a creep. And they then character, caricature all the characters. Oh, caricatures of all the characters. Mm-hmm. And then you have the the football player who's like, I'm not going to die because I can't you know, yeah. die or whatever. And, and then, then literally mm-hmm. And then you have like, okay, this guy who's a jerk because he's a creep and he keeps like mocking other people's deaths and him and his girlfriend who are like kind of like the goth, you know, yeah. stereotype from that time or whatever. And then you have the younger sister who's just like the annoying one and she's not supposed to be here and she's like, I'm going to do what I want. And so it's like all of these characters are very much like an archetype of early to mid 2000s characters that you would find in like a teen movie. So you don't really get to care about them the way you do the main girl and then the guy who's helping her because that's who they want you to care about. They don't Mm -hmm. focus on anyone else. Any kind of like development, drive, drive, anything like that. Mm -hmm. Because they weren't just like caricatures of, I mean, they were caricatures to some extent, but they actually had a little bit more development than everyone else. So you actually cared about them more because like i think at at a point i think that they want you to root for the dust like, yeah oh i can't wait to see this person die or i can't wait to see that person die how is it going to be creative like mm-hmm. when the, like i was like oh i can't die ah then you see the swords fall i think people are like oh i can't wait to watch the swords fall mm-hmm. or you have like the vain girls inside the stone like oh i can't wait to see how they die and yeah. that's when i start to get a little bit disconnected from it because it's like i don't want to root for people's deaths mm-hmm. like, yeah i don't want to have a little bit of character development to these people it's like it cares somewhat about the deaths but I think at that point, they're just objects in the world placed there to give the audience what they want, which is the deaths. Yeah, and I'm kind of bringing it back to our earlier franchise discussion, but it makes me think of the Saw movies, how I've never seen Saw, but apparently the first Saw movie is like actually a good good movie, and it has character development and story and everything. And then the further and further you get in, it's more about what game is he going to play? What is he going to make them do to make them you know, torture themselves or however. How is he going to make them get, you know, a key? Is he going to have to dig it out of the back of your eye? Or are you going to die? Are you going to have to fall into a vat of needles or something? It's kind of like, it became about that more so than about the story. And I think that's the same thing with this movie where it's like, oh, you can see that they're showing these nails over here. So is she going to get killed by a nail? But they're also showing this water. Is the water going to like electrocute her? But they're also showing this. So it's kind of like, putting little clues everywhere to say like oh the death is coming the death is coming can you guess what it's going to be as opposed to like how can we actually save these characters you know what i mean like should i root for them to be because if the people were saved then you're not going to give the audience what they want Mm -hmm. it's like say that the sonar girls are like oh let me push this thing over so i can get out yeah people like man i wanted to see the people die this is disappointing Mm -hmm. so it's kind of like ingrained in the story where you have to kill the people off because i think in most of these movies everyone dies in the end anyway Mm-hmm. somehow there's always like a last scene where it's like oh you thought you were going to survive but, but psych- you're, you're dead yeah mm-hmm. like from the first movie was the sign falling and hitting him what was it in the second movie it was a boy getting oh, blown, boy up, getting blown up by the thing and then in the this third one, it movie was, was a... the train mm-hmm. so yeah I think these films are just kind of come down to like we know everyone's going to die anyway so I don't let's not care too much about the characters we're going to give the audience the fancy death that they want and then in the end, we're going to have the big one that just kills everyone off at one time. I agree with that. I also think, though, that, I don't know, to care about the deaths, you have to care about the characters because you have to kind of be sad yeah. that a character is gone. Like, okay, let's get into the fourth one because the fourth one, I think, is 
the worst offender of all five movies of <laughs> terrible character development. And with because of that, it makes the movie very hard to watch or even enjoy. You know what I mean? So the fourth one, which is just called The Final Destination, you know, instead of Final Destination, added the in front of it. So creative. Was directed by David R. Ellis. And the premise is a horrifying premonition saves a young man and his friends from death during a racetrack accident, but terrible fates await them nonetheless. So final the final destination had a 28% on the tomato meter and a 35% audience score. And it had a 30% meta score and a 4.9 user score from Metacritic. So you can see that this one is one of the lowest rated final destination films. It was it was terrible. I'm mad I watched this movie. <laughs> it was horrible. Like everything about it was bad. And that's I remember you told me it was a movie that was supposed to be 3D. Mm -hmm. So I knew what I was getting into. Like I told you, it feels like one of those 3D rides you might see at Disneyland or something because it's so... <laughs> Disneyland. Not, not, you're not going to see this at Disneyland, but you know what I'm saying? You might yeah. see a 3D movie at Disneyland. At Disneyland. Uh, or a, it's like a little leprechaun thing at uh, Bush Gardens. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Like it's one of those, it feels like an attraction, mm -hmm. but just a really, really bad one. It's like, they could have just saved our time, cut to the dust. <laughs> Pretty much. It should have been like a death compilation. Yeah, it would have been as effective. Yeah, compilation on YouTube or something and then just go from there because everything else about this movie was bad. It's like, I'm... It was just, it, it was like in this movie, they literally were like, you know what? We're not even going to try to attempt to make you care about the characters. They were like, this is it. You do not need to care. Here's the movie. We're going to give you, I think they had, they had a racist guy in it, which again, that one was even like dumb. Yeah, he said the N-word. I'm like, it's not that kind of movie. <laughs> he like, was about to burn to a cross. Yeah. You know, I'm like, what is this? is supposed to be 2009. Like, you burn to, like, social out here. topics like him saying the N-word and him burning crosses. I'm like, this is not the movie for that. For real. And then they brushed it off so easy. Like, he was like, yeah. well, we don't have time for that. He's like, who are you talking to? And then they move on to the next scene. And it's like, what is going on here? Like, I don't understand. They had a whole suicide plot line where a guy literally was trying to kill himself, but it was just like, was death, yeah. death blocks your suicide. And I'm like, bro, if death wants you dead, why does it matter the but order in which you die? Too, when the black guy tried to yeah, kill but in the head, it was like, I feel like six blanks in a row. That one felt different because it was kind of like a, it felt almost like it. it that was actually had stakes. Like a plausible, yeah. it could be six blanks in a row, which I mean, it's not really, but it kind of was like, it wasn't in your face where it was like, I try to hang myself and drink myself to death and do this and do that and nothing worked. And then you're supposed to care about this guy. And then again, this 3D aspect was bad because it was like, you can tell. I think the bane of 2009 into like, or 2007 to 2011's existence is 3D. 3D as a concept, I feel like people were very excited about it. Yeah. <laughs> and... I'm very glad that it kind of has faded into obscurity. 3D is not good. Because 3D... It was on 3D TVs. That was a bad era. I remember when I went to... And this is like a, a off topic. But I remember when I went to see Avatar, The Last Airbender, the movie by M. Night Shyamalan in 3D. And I think our aunt paid for my ticket. And I felt bad for the fact that she paid for me she to go see it. Movie, I was yeah. like, I'm sorry that you paid for this. because it was her back now. All right, all right, like, like, this is for Avatar. This is, this is horrible. It was horrible. There was nothing in 3D. And I feel like that's how a lot of movies are, where you just kind of take away from the story in order to like say, oh, here is in your face the 3D. Like The best part of this movie was the opening credits, where it was kind of showing how like the deaths in X-ray vision, everything else was so bad. 
Yeah. You have the main character and his girlfriend, right? She has a best friend, and the best friend, I guess, is dating the guy's best friend. And they're both jerks. They're both jerks. They die. The main characters don't care, which is like if they're supposed to be your best friend, you know, which one calls best friend. They, yeah, they didn't they, grieve at all. They didn't grieve at all. They barely try to prevent any of the deaths, which is like the whole premise is they get a premonition and they try to stop the deaths. In this movie, it was kind of like, oh, I got a premonition. Well, I'm not going to do anything about it. And it's like, what's the point of getting a premonition? And the only two they tried to stop was the two best friends. I think the black guy, but it was too late because he was having a second premonition that came out of nowhere. And yeah, it just, it didn't work. And again, it felt like about the death where it's like, okay, the girl gets rolled into a, an escalator only for it to not be real. Or the, the racist guy gets dragged by his car and on set on fire. Yeah. So it really felt like this one was just like, how do we make this as violent as possible, as 3D as possible, and as bad CGI as possible? Yeah, I just knew this movie was bad when they had the black guy sitting in his house reading an AA book. And I was <laughs> like, come on, don't, don't do this. Like, you don't need to have, this movie doesn't have any stakes. It doesn't have any character development. Don't try to make people care about this guy because he's a recovering alcoholic. Yeah. Like it, or it just did even, everything wrong. And then we're not here to get into like the physics of death. But there was like a scene where a car rolled onto someone and it pushed him into like a metal fence oh, and yeah, it like man. chopped his body into pieces. I'm like, I don't think that would happen. I think he'd probably get a really bad like, you know, cut on his back. Yeah. But I don't think it would literally go through like all of your... sore for a while. Yeah. Like, I, don't... <laughs> I don't think that would happen. So it's just kind of like, it just becomes again about the death. Like, oh, we chopped the guy into little pieces. Is that is that creepy enough for you? Is that yeah. shocking enough for you? And it's like... It's just too much. I don't know. This one was really bad. Yeah, and in the end when he tried to save everybody with the whole situation where the movie theater was going to blow up and mm-hmm. stuff like that, he had to tell his girlfriend, you better go now. Yeah. That whole situation was just, it was just a stupid movie. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, wait, there's really one person who survived. And it's like, yeah. so Death was just letting him chill for like two weeks. Like, yeah, wait, till they, wait till they see it, this news. Right. <laughs> Let him be happy for a little bit. And then I was like, nah, if Death was working like expeditiously, why he stopped working expeditiously? Exactly. It don't make sense. And then another thing is like, and maybe it was just Tony Todd didn't have the time to be in two and three and four. Or yeah, two, three and four. But he was in one and five. And it's kind of like oh, Tony yeah. Todd, because yeah. I think he's supposed to be like the death representative or something like that. He was that. like the guy that had a little bit of explanation. He was the, uh, no, he, was, he wasn't too. He wasn't in three and four. That explained, oh. And be yeah, creepy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's good at being creepy. Yeah. So our last one is, or the last one that came out so far, I think they're in works with a lot six, is Final Destination 5. And this is the first one that's not directed by James Wong or David R. Ellis. It's directed by Stephen Quayle, and the synopsis is Death Returns to Claim the Lucky Survivors of a Deadly Bridge Collapse in this fifth and frightening installment of the series. Final Destination 5 actually is the highest rated on the tomato meter in terms of critical review. It has a 62% tomato meter score and a 52% audience score. So this is actually the first one where the critics rated it higher than the audience on Rotten Tomatoes. And it has a 50% score on Metacritic and a 6.6 user score. So this one is actually the most one of the most favor- favorably looked at of the film. And I can, in a way, see why. I think it was better than four. It's not hard to do. And I think maybe that's why it also was rated high. I think after four, people were probably like, you know, oh my gosh, it's a breath of fresh air. This one was also in 3D, though, which again, I think, was to its detriment because you have so many scenes that are like yeah you can again i think the problem with like 
all 3D movies is that you can see the scenes that were supposed to be the scenes that were coming at you at, from the screen. You know what I mean? So it's like when the person got impaled on the ship in the water, it was kind of like you know that the, the ship's sail is supposed to be like coming out of the screen at you. And I think that's like a big issue with old 3D movies. And it's not old, it's 2011 oldish but i think that this again this one was better than the last one and it was supposed to be a surprise ending i'm going to spoil the ending now yeah please oh, spoil it. it's supposed to be a prequel <laughs> yeah. to the first, first one, one and they kind of throw in small hints here and there by having like an old school phone that the guy is using as opposed to like a new phone they never really show technology too much and i think that's in a way to make you like not really notice that it's supposed to be taking place at the same time. At the same time or before. Kind of separate, but mm-hmm. they're learning the end. I mean, it was a pretty interesting surprise. Like, it was, it had some kind of payoff in the end. Yeah. And then it made me wonder, like, did this guy trigger the whole events for the for first For the first guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because if, if death was coming after him, then the other guy escaped that plane that it was coming. So it's kind of like a cycle. Yeah. But, yeah, it was, it was, this movie wasn't bad. It was better than, I would say this is probably the third best one. Mm-hmm. Fourth or third? I don't know if it's better I feel than like Final Destination one, 3. I was like, I feel like one, three, and five are kind of all in the middle of like, yeah. you couldn't They're rearrange your order four. depending on the day. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's not, it's kind of like a, a bar and it's like four is on the floor and everything yeah. else is much higher. But I will say that even after recently watching this one, I don't remember the deaths as much as some of the other ones. Oh, same. So I think that while this one was probably a better made film than some of the other ones might be, like you said, had the highest audience critic score i also don't remember a lot of what happened in it mm-hmm. and that is something that i wonder why like now that i'm thinking about the movie i'm like why don't i remember much of the deaths like i remember the first scene on the bridge mm-hmm. i remember the girl the gymnast and i remember the gymnast folding herself i remember the ending with the plane and stuff like that but outside of those a lot of the the deaths i, I feel like in a way that's kind of a strength of this film yeah. I feel like because that means it's not all hinged on the deaths only. Like, I feel like for this one, I vaguely remembered the rules. Of it. I, this is when I remember the least. I think this is the one that I've only seen once. Like, I remember the fourth one because I remember the guys inside getting sucked out. I think that was, like, oh, the biggest yeah, death I remembered from yeah. this uh, fourth one. And I remember the... Cool is that? Like that would. That's what I'm saying. Like all these things that wouldn't just wouldn't happen. And oh, so many places are getting sued. Like so many places for oh, yeah, movies are getting getting sued. getting sued. Like and shut down. But from this one, I think it was the most interesting because this is the one where they not the most interesting, but this is the one where they introduced the most rules around death. Mm-hmm. And this is where again they brought back Tony Todd since the second movie that he hasn't been in. So yeah. you kind of he's reintroduced as the mortician. I mean, he looked the same age in the first he one. Really, he really really did. One. But this is the one that where he's reintroduced again into it and he introduces these new rules of death where it's kind of like if you take a life yeah. then you kind of get their years. I'm like it's like you this? said about the rules not being consistent. Yeah, super inconsistent. I'm like wait, what since when is this the rule? But I guess if you, it's a prequel then it could be like yeah. Well, we could have had these rules all along. We just never said it in um, the the later films. But I mean, I feel like that's like a that seems like a rule that would almost make sense in a way. But of course, somehow everyone whose life they took are all having to be like about to oh, die yeah, anyway. Yeah, the brain aneurysm. aneurysm and, oh man! So I'm like, yeah. they telling me the cop was about to go because they survived yeah. for about three months. Wait, is this the one with the shootout in the end? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, no. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
And then you have a cop who's kind of like, and yeah, I mean, you had a cops in a couple of them. You had a cop in, well, the second one, a cop was the main character, but he was all on board very quickly. It was yeah. actually kind of funny. You had a cop in this one who was kind of like, all these people are dying around you. And I know that you're not causing it, but it doesn't make sense that this is constantly happening. So he was around. And then, of course, he gets killed very quickly. Not very quickly. It was towards the end, but like, he ain't never solved his mystery. Yeah, yeah. And then in the first one, you have the FBI agents who were like, this seems like kind of a terrorist-esque thing, which is interesting because it was pre-9-11. So yeah. I think if it had come out like a year later, it probably wouldn't have been as well received yeah. for the first one. It is interesting that it was pre-9-11 and that's what happened. It was mm -hmm. terrorist Yeah, and the FBI and everything. Especially on the plane. Mm -hmm. you know. But in this one, I feel like the deaths were the focus, but you had a little bit more character. A little bit. Like, let me emphasize, a very little bit more character development than like the fourth one. Yeah. Where... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it had character. They attempted character development in this one. Yeah, they, also, there was it, an attempt, but also only for some characters. Like a lot yeah. of the other. So like the IT guy, he was supposed to be like a super creep talking to women. He went to yeah. like the massage parlor and was making all these innuendos and stuff. But again, a lot of those things just seem so inaccurate. Like I've never had acupuncture, but I'm pretty sure if you felt with acupuncture, the needles would just bend. Like it might get into you a little bit more, but it seemed like it was just like killing him or. Yeah. In the LASIK, and maybe this is like pre, you know, 2000, but when she was getting LASIK, I'm like, why is it that the laser would even be able be to get strong, so strong right? that it could cut out her eye and then she's slipping and then she gets hit by a car and her eyeball pops out? I'm like, yeah. this is when you can tell that it's just becoming about like, how brutal can you make the death? Because that physics wise doesn't make sense. Like, I'm pretty sure if you're doing bars and gymnastics and you accidentally get stuff in your face and you flip over. I don't think that your spine and your leg are going to pop out. I mean, you might get like a, you know, yeah. a very serious injury, but I don't yeah. think you're going to die like that. So it's or just the like... the fact that the windows are so thin that she could just throw herself out of them like that. Yeah, like, this is a doctor's office. It should be yeah. sturdier windows than when you have like the full body, the full windows. They're pretty... They're pretty sturdy, strong, yeah. yeah. Unless she's like got thrown that like 40 miles per hour or something. I don't know. Or a wrench hitting that guy's head clean off or whatever. Yeah, no, they... But he was supposed to be like, he was the least developed of the the main characters in the movie. Yeah. I don't, um, remember, I don't remember who he is. <laughs> like, see, <laughs> that's a problem. You all going Kiki Palmer on them. But yeah, I think that, again, I think that this franchise has enough legs that you could bring it back at like any point. And if you had like a good enough director and a good enough script, you can make it interesting. You can make it more than just about the deaths. But I feel like the further on the franchise went, the more and more just about the deaths it became. Because again, in the first movie, and we can get into this conversation now, which is we could talk about, you know, how the deaths in like the later movies and how it just became that's all what it was all about. In the first movie, you had but one guy get his head cut off and one woman get hit by a bus. Mm -hmm. And one uh, boy, he died with a wire from a shower. Again, shouldn't have happened. You could have probably gotten out of that if he was thinking. But again, you're probably panicking. It required you to be dumb like the old mm -hmm. horror films of like the 70s. Yeah. People are not smart or, in these films. But then the further on you get, the second one's like a little bit more brutal. Not not terrible though. The third one, a little bit more brutal than the last one. The fourth one is just like off the walls brutal. Yeah, they're just and like, then, that's how cartoonish can we make these guys? Yeah, and then the fifth one is like more brutal, but a little bit less than the no, fifth. back in the fourth. Or the fourth, sorry. So it's kind of like how how do you get so far away from the premise? And another one, a movie I saw compared to was an article I actually sent you the other day from Den of Geek talking about 
how the Omen movies kind of were like forerunners to this movie and how in the first Omen you had some brutal deaths where it was like the guy got his head chopped off by like the plate for the window plate or whatever and then the one guy got stabbed by the thing falling from the church and everything but it was still very grounded in like Damien and is he the son of the devil and all of this other stuff versus the further on you get into the movies again it just becomes more about how brutal can you make it that's what and is know, that sustainable that's what makes the omen movies good is because the omen is a great film yeah it has great stories but then the deaths are also memorable because they're more artistically tied to the story mm-hmm. like the thing with the um thing called on the church and killing the dude it yeah it's tied to the themes of the, the church movie. Mm-hmm. and i think that's what is a failing in some of these films is that there's no real reason for the deaths because the story is just non-existent. It's just about the deaths. And I think that's what creates kind of a shortcoming in them. Mm-hmm. And I think that a premise like this could work. Like you said, the Omen was a kind of like the forefather of this concept. But I think the story around it has to be developed in order for it to really be impactful in the long run. Mm-hmm. I agree. Again, going back to another movie that came out a long time ago and then recently was revamped, is like the Halloween franchise, how it had all these movies that kind of went left field, and then it came back, what, three years ago? And brought back. (laughs) It was better than the other one. Oh, actually, I've never seen the other one, so I can't speak. I've only seen the first one in that one. But from what I've heard, it was better than the other ones because you brought back Jamie Lee's Curtis character, and you kind of tried to make it, again, a little bit more grounded. Although, I stand by this. Michael Myers is truly a drama queen, because when did he have time to carve out a skull and make it a jack-o'-lantern? Like, <laughs> what are you doing? How do we have time to do this? Yeah, no, these um, it's unrelated, but it's like when in Jason, when he learned archery in order to kill people. I'm like, what? Yeah, like, like how do you, where did you find the time to learn all, archery? All of these killers have like a flair for the dramatics. It's kind of like, come on, man. Even death in these movies, I guess you could say. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's like, oh, what is the most creative way I can make them go? As opposed to just like, I don't know, let them be hit by a car. It's like. Ooh, what if I make a nail fall and then another gymnast steps on that nail and then that yeah. gets dust in her face and then she flips and flips and flips. It's like Death Note. It's like, I don't know if you ever watched Death Note. Yeah, it's Death like Note's you really don't, good. You know how they could just have a heart attack? No one just would be like, he has a heart attack. Yeah. Like, it's not as interesting if it's versus the, he's going to walk off a building, but he's not going to die from the fall. He's going <laughs> to die from the car after he walks off the building. It's like, not even that. That car is going to pinball him to another car. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, and how can he we... Dies from a heart attack. Like, yeah, it's like, come on, you can... It's just doing a lot. But again, I think that I think there's a plan for a sixth movie. That might have been like pre-COVID, so who knows if it's yeah, still in the works. That said, I'm going to go see it. Um, like, but yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's, the movie's still because it's a product. And I'm yeah, gonna go see it's going to go see it, yeah. yeah. I feel like there is a way, even if it's bad, it's kind of like, I'll probably go see it. But I feel like there's also a way to make these good movies because you have enough of a concept. Like, flesh out, why are these people having pre- premonitions? Flesh out, why is it that death is focused on these people? I feel like there's so many different things you can do to make the movie more interesting than it is. But again, with a concept like this, it's just so easy to just like have Final Destination 65, 60 years from now, because it can just have a group of new people who are facing the same concept. But again, I feel like the hardest part is that every movie, they're trying to up the deaths from the last movie. So like you mentioned, I think, that they have like a lot of head stuff where it's like yeah. somebody says getting smashed, someone's this is getting something happened to someone's eye, someone this, they uh, had, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. About, yeah. So it's all about that. So it's kind of like you have to keep upping that and making it different. But at the same time, I think that if you kind of take a step back, make it about this story, and still make the deaths creative, then you have a better product than if you're just like again the fourth movie where it's just like you might as well have put post a compilation of how people die. 
on yeah. YouTube and then called it a day. Called the final destination. The final destination. Yeah. yeah. Any final thoughts before we wrap up? Yeah, I'll say that you know what you're getting into with these movies. They could be entertaining, like on a movie night with your friends. Y'all just want to clown a film or something like that. That's what it's made for. Yeah. It's not made to be taken super seriously. I think some of them do the job better than the others because a movie like The Final Destination, no, yeah, The Final Destination is so bad that it's hard to even clown. Like, that's what makes it a hard watch. Like, you know how you have bad movies that are like bad, but they're fun to watch because you could like mm-hmm. talk about, oh, this element is so stupid. I like The Room is a bad movie, but it's really fun to watch because of how bad it is. Yeah. A movie like The Final Destination doesn't have that um, element to me because it's just so bad. You're like, I want this to be it's over. not fun. But for, I think the rest of them do have that appeal of being bad movies, but good enough where you could still watch it, enjoy it, and get something out of it, like an entertaining night or something like that. Like, one thing I have to remember that when we watch these films, we watch them all back to back, which most people won't do. So you might be worn out by the time you get to, like, the fourth one or the fifth one. But if, like... You're hanging out with some friends and you just want to turn something on. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't mind being like, "Hey, let's watch Final Destination three and have an enjoyable time." Mm-hmm. It's it works in that way. I think it's a popcorn flick. Yeah, very much so. Like it's flick. very easy. Again, it's enjoyable. It's fun. You're not going there expecting like cinema or anything yeah, like exactly. that. <laughs> You're going to watch and have fun and crack jokes and you can talk over it. Really, could kind of be like in the background even. But it's it's still enjoyable and I feel like again I feel like there's a place for for movies like that like everything doesn't have to be this serious you know art drama whatever it can just be fun sometimes you just want to watch a movie and have fun I think that's what I've come to realize is that like again with the Fast and the Furious movies I'm like they're ridiculous but you know what they're enjoyable I could just turn my brain off and watch people do drive cars to wherever it's they're enjoyable and I think that's the same thing for the Final Destination film. And there's a place for those kind of movies. And there's a place for those kind of movies. So with that, we're going to wrap up this week's episode of That Brooklyn Film Show. And I just want to thank you all for listening. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you can. Thank you and goodbye. All right, bye.